Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I am your host, T-Palm. Follow me on Twitter at T-Palm66. Follow the show on Twitter at UDPod. Follow the entire MTR network at, you guess it, the MTR network. You found us. Don't lose us. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe everywhere. Podcasts are given away for absolutely free 99. Last week, we had an impromptu Juju podcast reunion after Chad eventually showed up. And we talked to you about the absurdity and the idiocy of the college football playoff rankings. We've seen them go even crazier this week. Now we're going to talk about something that's much more grounded in reality, something that has much more basis to be debated and discussed than that ridiculous ranking, and that's professional wrestling. That's right, guys. We've got another WrestleCast. We've got a great crew with us. Uh, first up, coming to you live from a very, very long lunch at the Standard of Roswell on a Friday. My good friend, Sam Franco. What up, Sam? Uh, Daniel, it is a pleasure to be back with you on this show. Uh, pleasure to have lunch uh, the other day. Uh, yeah, shout out to the uh, Standard at Roswell there. Uh, very, very solid spot. And, uh, you know, just uh, happy to come on and talk about, uh, you know, professional wrestling as opposed to, you know, sports entertainment, which is uh, oh. something that has been very refreshing uh, thanks to uh, the fine folks at All Elite Wrestling. It almost feels like WCW never went under because I see staying on TNT on Wednesday nights. <laughs> um, our other guest today is an actual wrestling mind. This is someone who I'm I'm honored to be sharing a microphone with, not to besmirch Sam. This man's from PW Torch. He runs the deep dive. He runs so much other stuff over there. I'm sure he'll tell us about it later. My good friend, Rich Fan. How you doing, bro? I'm good. I'm good. I, I currently had the closed captioning on for AEW Dynamite in the background. And Brian Danielson is a freaking genius. <laughs> good Lord. Uh, I'm happy to be here with you guys. I'm looking forward to talking about everything we're going to talk about. And I am uh, ecstatic to be back on the MTR network with you guys, where most people don't know quite quietly. That's where I got my start podcasting, uh, doing comic book uh, roundtables. So happy to be here, my man. It really happy to have you, man. And I'm excited to talk to, to you guys about wrestling, but talk to you guys in general, too. I want to say this. I used to have you guys on a bunch. I used to, we used to always have you guys on. We do the, the previews before the big fours, before Cam became internet famous, when we could still afford to have him on these airwaves. Um, and we do like before Mania, before Rumble, before a Goldberg sighting for Sam. We would uh, just kind of break down what was going to happen in the WWE, the biggest game in town. And we're recording this, full disclosure, on November 11th, or November 17th, excuse me, during the Fallout Dynamite from uh, Full Gear. And I'll be honest, we're not here to preview Survivor Series. I forgot it was Sunday. We're here to celebrate the crowning achievement, which was Full Gear came to us live. On a, from AEW this past Sunday night. Before we get into the uh, card itself, how do we feel about Saturday pay-per-views, guys? I got to say, it interferes in the fall with college football. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is that is something that, you know, <clears throat> I, I think that they do, you know, probably have ran their numbers and they just quite frankly don't care about it all that much. I guess they think that their audience and, and you know, a hardcore college football audience at least for one weekend can coexist, but just for, for people like us, it's very unfortunate that, you know, you, you have that in the way. I will say that, you know, it's nice that you have them on Saturday from a perspective of, you know, me being a 34 year old man now and, you know, desiring things like sleep 
and uh, not having to wake up the next day and work. Uh, that was always what was bad about like, you know, big time WWE pay-per-views on Sunday nights. But, uh, you know, it, it, there's there's positives and negatives with being on Saturday for sure. But I, I just think that, you know, it gives them, I think, more of a kind of a big fight feel, maybe they think, because, you know, a lot of the, the big time boxing uh, main events are always on, you know, Saturdays as well. So may, maybe it's just a little bit different strategy slash branding that they're trying to do to kind of separate them from uh, from the big boys up in uh, Connecticut. What about you, Rich? You in on the Saturday pay-per-views? I am. And also WWE is starting in 2022. So it's going to be interesting to see because I believe, uh, if memory serves, there's going to be a pay-per-view Labor Day 2022. That will be Saturday as well as AEW's pay-per-view. So that will be quite interesting to see how that turns out. Well, the uh, recent head-to-head ticket moving in uh, New York is any indicator. It may not go as well as the... uh, Big boys at Titan Tower think it might. Uh, I do want to get into the card, but I guess I'd be remiss to not talk about kind of the rise of AEW and kind of how we've gotten here in less than three years. I know Sam and I are both headed to the show in, uh, in the Atlanta area on December 1st. If I still had the bell, I'd be putting ourselves over. But <laughs> I want to go to you first, Rich. This is a meteoric, at, 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 at worst, it's a meteoric rise. Do we see, and, I, and I'm not talking about ratings because I don't think that's how people should watch wrestling. It's, it's an art form. From the art perspective, do you see continued growth? Do you see continued evolution from the product? Because I'll tell you what, there have been some missteps. We can point to a lot of them. But when you talk about the culmination of the event from Sunday, that's a level of booking that we haven't seen stateside in a very long time. Yeah. I think the, what, they, what they have with this evolution because uh, for, for you guys, are this will be a slight spoiler, but Brian Danielson walked into AEW's ring, stared in the camera as a grown man and said, when I won the world title at WrestleMania, and that's all he needed to say to turn the crowd against him. Like, they didn't have that three years ago. You didn't have the establishment of what their company is, what they're about, and what they're not. Just mentioning the other company. And folks were having the temerity to mention the other company and not be, you know, we grew up in an era, especially for me uh, in New York, you guys down south, and then having like New York, Atlanta, et cetera. Like, just hey, called it out, named it. Uh, I think they have so much that they can grow into, particularly with young guys like Dante Martin, uh, the acclaimed. Uh, a lot of the, honestly, a lot of the black talent, they just had Trisha Dora today during their dark tapings. The more they lean into showing everyone that everyone can wrestle, I think the more they differentiate themselves from just every other good old boy network that we've seen as a number one, two, or three in wrestling. Uh, I think going in three years, and I think I really appreciate you bringing that up, going in three years from not having television to being able to draw blood, so to speak, even if it's like Thanos, where you do all this for a speck of blood, you still got that speck into the media entities out there. That might be enough to give you enough money to stay open. Uh, You look at Ring of Honor and the fact that they're closing shop with a multi-billion dollar entity funding them. And it's, it's quite surprising that they're as aggressive as they've been and as successful as they've been in such a short time. I think that their aggression also is match or I want to say coupled with some of the booking decisions in that when they see something hot, they're striking. They're not waiting and saying, Oh, we'll, we'll save that for a, a shield trip or that it may that never happened or, 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 or something of that nature. 
Sam, I, I kind of posit it to you too, as well. Three years ago, if you and I were talking about going to a show in the city, it'd be, or in the Atlanta area, it'd be maybe an NXT show at Center Stage, or you know, maybe a Raw when it comes to occasionally. The idea yeah, of AEW funny. having all these different kind of home hubs. Last time, the last real big event I went to before the Hawks game on Monday, again, no bell. Sorry, guys. Um, was AEW Dynamite where Cody wrestled Wardlow in that cage. That was the last event I did before the world shut down. And so I know they're going to put on a show come, uh, come December 1st. And I just want to ask you, man, did you think this was going to be this way in just three years? No, I mean, absolutely not. I mean, you look at kind of the timeline of AEW, and they definitely had some some guys, you know, when they first started. Cody Rhodes, obviously a name, not just because of where he came from, but obviously his family legacy. And then you had, you know, the, the Young Bucks, the hottest tag team kind of on the Indies slash uh, outside of this country. You had Kenny Omega. So you had a good foundation to start. Then Chris Jericho jumps on board and you're like, okay, you know, there's a pretty established guy from WWE setting up shop. And I think one thing that's honestly really helped them is just a few massive missteps by WWE. Although WWE won't view them as missteps because ultimately they, they don't think that the professional wrestling that AEW really does is necessarily competition for what they want to do. So they wouldn't view these as missteps, but I mean, you just look at the guys that have jumped over. I mean, you look at a mirror. You look at. So go ahead. You're making a great point because it's going beyond dollars and cents. Because if you're saying, "Oh, look at this empire that's 60 years old," that's obviously going to look differently. But when we look at it from an art, if we say, if if we come from the all shared perspective, wrestling at its core is an art form. Right. It's violent theater. If you branch out from that, then yeah, I think you, you're 100% right. You can call what's happened over in Titan missteps because they've taken the talent that they they sent Adam Cole from Ring of Honor to NXT Finishing School where he was taught by Shawn Michaels, and now he's taking those skills and applying them for someone else. Mm-hmm. It's, literally, it's literally a bad investment for the WWE. So I, I, part of me understands why they're going – to the model they're going to now with NXT 2.0, and this isn't that show, but thumbs down from your boy. Um, but again, that's not this show. Let's talk about the show we're here to do. Let's talk about Full Gear. Let's talk about everything that we saw on uh, Saturday. Sam, where did you watch this? Did you get to watch this like in the comfort of your own home? Yeah, so it took me a few days to actually watch the whole thing. I didn't uh, watch it live, but I did... Uh, over the course of the next few days, you know, watch it. I think I told you that I was averaging like two and a half matches a day from Sunday <laughs> on. So I got it finished up. And I mean, it's, you know, watching at home and, and not really having a whole lot of distraction. I mean, you really, you know, get to pay attention to things. And, and you know, I'm sitting there and I'm actually like taking not just mental notes, but I think I actually wrote some of this stuff down uh, just to kind of like think about what the difference is like really at a core when you look at like WWE and AEW and the one thing that I think that, you know, as I was saying a minute ago, like right now, WWE doesn't necessarily view AEW's like more like pro wrestling as like necessarily like competition in a sense that like, you know, going head to head, but 
it is going to be competition as the, as AEW starts to catch up on things. And one thing I noticed like watching this show is, and this is just kind of a general before we like dive into matches. It's like AEW has come a long way, but when you watch like a WWE event and this is what happened to WCW, they didn't have long-term the production quality to match. And AEW is doing a really good job of that and throwing a lot of money at it. But there's a lot of little things like execution and fluidity throughout a show. And I'll get to this more kind of talking about individual examples from the matches that I noticed, but it's, it's just little things that like AEW isn't polished as much yet at doing that WWE just has a second nature. And this is just purely from a like watching on TV, like production slash right on. The, the story they're telling you on TV standpoint. But this show, by far, their best, in my opinion. And they've had some really good shows. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I I have been thinking in my prison of the moment is hyperbole to say this is the best AEW show thus far. I'm a huge fan of their last event because it has my favorite tag team match of all time, Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks in that cage. Oh, so good. Oh, God, so directly good. into my veins. Please, please, please. Um, Rich, how does this stack up for you as far as the AEW cards we've seen so far? Because one thing I can say, whether we can say this is the best or not, each time they improve, each time they're trending upwards and those wrinkles that Sam mentioned, which exist, young company, you see fewer of them as it goes along and the scenes are better hidden. Yeah, I, out of the nine matches they had on the pay-per-view, you probably had seven and a half, eight different styles of wrestling. And that's the thing that was most appreciative for me with WCW back in the day, because if you're not like for me, I had a long weekend. So by the time I saw this pay-per-view, uh, the, the, the bucks, the super click six man didn't really click for the lack of a better phrase. I could find one, but I'm so, I'm sorry to everybody. I love you. Uh, this, it didn't really work for me, but by God, punk and Kingston, 11 minute violent sprint, made me feel like things wrestling that I did not think was possible in the United States of America. And so I, I, I really appreciate how they can give that to you. And then I didn't even talk about the fact that for all of the matches that we had, Darby Allen and MJF was probably one of the best opening matches I've seen in any card in years. Like they set the state like Brett Owen, WrestleMania 10, where they're just going to go out there and embarrass it. And then you just forget about it. And then you go back, like, I think a year or two from now, you'll look at that match and say, holy crap, those guys really just destroyed it. So I'm, and, I, and, I love Mysterio from that, from that Survivor Series stands out, too. Or from that Summer yeah. Summer mm -hmm. And so as they evolve, it's like it's almost like the board. They just they have a weakness. They, they adapt. They keep moving. And I think it's just it's phenomenal. It's, it's not too dissimilar, honestly. I know we're not going to do direct comparisons, but it's not too dissimilar to what NXT was doing with takeovers, where there wasn't a bad takeover. There's only variations of good or same thing with Marvel. There isn't a bad, I haven't found a bad Marvel movie. There have been okay Marvel movies, but I haven't seen something where I'm just regretting the time I spent watching it with AEW. You know, I, I'd have to do it the Torch Stars just sometimes for when we do reports, but even the match I didn't with the Bucks match that kind of burned me out a little bit. I still could appreciate it once I watched it with the, you know, a little bit more sleep and not tired. I was like, okay, this was like exactly what you needed for this match. So yeah, I I'm, I'm completely with you on that theory. Well, well let's, well, let's start off at the beginning. You got a great point. MJF versus Darby Fallon. Uh, MJF went over via pinfall for 22 minutes. 
I love this match. I thought, like you said, great start to a pay-per-view. When you talk about the four pillars of AEW, and now that it's canonical and they're saying it on television, which I always think is a little weird when you watch it go from squared circle, hashtag uh, shout out to Reddit, um, to television, it seems, always feels a little dissonant. But the way MJF worked it in, I thought it was well done. Uh, himself, Jungle Boy, Darby Allen, and uh, uh, Sammy as the four pillars. Watching MJF wrestle reminds you why he's up there with those guys because he has perfected that heel thing where I'm going to talk so good. Yeah, I don't have to put, to put on my, my trunks, but once every two months because all you want to do is see someone fight me. And whoever I get in the ring with automatically gets heat. Remember those three weeks that Brian Pillman Jr. was like the thing? That was on the strength of Maxwell Jacob Freeman. And so the match they put on, I thought it was really well done. I thought the story they were telling with the back and the knee, beautifully executed. Sam, you've heard me and Rich kind of gush about this match. How did it hit for you? Well, first of all, what is this four pillars you're talking about? Because if you're uh, Jim Ross, it's the four pillows of uh, AEW. Jim Ross is doing what he's paid to do. He is the nostalgia pop. Thank you, Jim. Jim Ross has got to go. I can save that for another time. And I know he's got his medical issues. I'm not trying to be mean to the guy, but he's bringing down these broadcasts in a bad way. There's so much more broadcast and more. There's so much better broadcast talent they have within the company. But again, I don't want to diatribe too far away from this great match because as you guys said, great match, absolutely great match. Um, MJF just does such a great job making you hate him. I mean, it's, it's so incredible how good of a heel he is kind of one of those classic heels really that doesn't have a, a defined era. Just, you know, that this guy's going to be able to get under the crowd skin and, and, and really like, he, he has a little bit of like all the great heels and, and I'll even bring in like an Andy Kaufman, like the way that he just had that Memphis Tennessee crowd hating him so much. Like it feels like that is genuine with MJF and it felt, you know, that's what makes AEW so good. I think right now is that they have a lot of performers that really know how to just get that reaction from the crowd and, and get that just pop from being just great performers. And and both of these guys really had that in this match. I, I loved the way that it finished. I, I just loved like, like everything about this, the, the little sting moment where he, you know, he beats up the, uh, the goons, uh, the henchmen, whatever you want to call them with the bat. Uh, so, I mean, every, th- this match was such, as, as Rich said earlier, such a great start uh, to, to the pay-per-view as a whole and, and, and just a really good one to get this crowd being like, all right, let's see what they got next. And, and they had some good stuff next as well, but, but tremendous opening match. Tremendous way to start a pay-per-view. I just, like we all said, like we could talk about that match all day. It is impressive that they pulled this off. It's impressive that, they were able to build this way without, again, Max doesn't get in the ring. He doesn't wrestle. He wrestles on these pay-per-views, and that's it. And I couldn't appreciate it more. People I do love watching wrestle are all forming in the next match. 18 minutes, the Lucha Brothers defeated FTR uh, to defend the AEW World Tag Team Champions. FTR are still the AAA uh, Tag Team Champions. But I got to say, this is, this is my favorite tag team in the world, the Lucha Brothers. Um, and... I thought the ending was a little rushed, a little weird, maybe, but I had a good, I, I had fun with the match. I thought it was really well done. I like how they built on the uh, the dynamite match that cost uh, the Lucha Brothers those other tag titles. Sam, what did you think of this one? 
Yeah, I, I would agree with you on the finish. I was like kind of doing some digging around and there might have been some sort of like, you know, maybe small injury or something that happened that had to cause the match to be ended a little quicker. It, it just it stinks when like because the Lucha Brothers have become my favorite tag team as well. I mean, I, I'm, I am a uh, Penta El Cero Miedo uh, stand if there ever was one. Um I've got one of his masks coming that hopefully will get here in time for me to wear it to uh, that dynamite we were talking about earlier in Atlanta on uh, December 1st. Uh, but again, I digress. Um, j- just a, a tremendous match that unfortunately had that weird kind of rushed botched finish. And that's something I was talking about earlier too. just kind of like the little things that WWE does so well, like this just kind of felt like one of those, like kind of not, not early like rookie mistakes or whatever, but it just kind of felt like in that kind of a spot, like you can afford to have those, I think on like, you know, dynamites and things like that. But when that happens at a pay-per-view, it just stands out so much more. And and again, I don't know a hundred percent sure why they did that or if like the finish had to be changed on the fly or whatever, but yeah, it, it just felt like a disservice to, to a match that was going really well throughout and, and FTR have done just such a tremendous job of, you know, becoming the tag team in AEW that I think everybody knew they could become when they were in NXT before getting to the main roster and getting vinced. Also, big shout out to them for hitting the uh, great amplitude. Shout out to American Alpha. Uh, Rich, Lucha Brothers, my boy Ray Phoenix. Like, this is good. This is good stuff. I'm excited. I'm excited for the next two years of them not losing those belts. Yeah, I, I think ultimately it's going to be a situation where. You know, you got so much time on their hands between America, U.S. and Mexico with matches they can do and things they can get done. I, I thought this was great. I really liked uh, how they presented them. You know, unfortunately, yeah, with the uh, Dax injury, they had to kind of do the, the Killer Bees uh, uh, exit as far as the injury. But ultimately, oh, by Mama G, uh, my mother-in-law was kind enough to drop my son off while we're while we're doing this. Um, I I just I'm completely. And like I've said for since they opened, they're missing the boat as long as they don't put Ray and Penta in the singles division higher up than they have been, because both of those guys can go by themselves. And then together, they're just monsters. I'd love to see a Penta singles run. Just want to get that in there. The only thing is I don't want them to stop tagging. Like, that's the thing. I'm just like, and we can't have them in every second, just mathematically. But yeah, I think you're right. I'd love to see them in singles matches as well. A match that honestly... If you want to say Sam is dunking on WWE pretty hard here, this is the match that says Sam is right, y'all, because Brian Danielson beat Miro by technical submission in 20 minutes. And all I kept thinking was, what a joke they made Rusev during that run. And, and, and in their defense, when left to his own devices, his first gimmick here was also not very good. <laughs> terrible. It was terrible. It's terrible. Just quote Charles Barkley. However, <laughs> it took him off TV, did the slight repackage, and you know what? Muscle bound, uh, betrayed, devout follower of a lord? That's terrifying. You've made Miro legitimately scary, and you did a great job. Like, I guess what? Danielson wasn't losing this match. Danielson's first loss is going to probably be the Hangman. Hangman! And it's going to be awesome. But he was always going to go over. But, man, they made me believe, and that's what I asked for out of pro wrestling. Rich, does this just whet your appetite for the eventual 
predictable G1 Brian Danielson run and maybe a little Miro mixed in too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you missed one thing with his turn. He not only became a devout follower of the Lord, but a devout follower of his spouse, where now with oh. every loss, he can't return to her because he's less of a man. He's like, I cannot even share the same room. His pre-match quote with Danielson, you will not return home to your wife so I can come back to mine. I, when, they, when she eventually shows up on AEW television, again, much like Miro, she will be such a different character that people will love it. And it, it's, it's striking to me how much, for good and bad, you, we, you guys talked about the bad a second ago, letting him lean into his video game proclivities. Not everyone can pull it off like Xavier Woods. And it came off a little weak. And so you, you, you let him find this other path and he dives into some good old fashioned Eastern slash Central European uh, uh, ness. Like no, nothing, nothing says Eastern European, like getting crazy religious and then jacking fools up. Uh, that's just what we, what we, what we see. That's history. I, that's not, that's, yeah, it's accurate. Yeah. They just keep it real. And so I'm looking forward to, if he ever does do the G1 and Danielson, you know they're going to tear it down. I mean, I'm looking right now at Ishii. I was going to say, Ishii is currently in a wrestling ring in America. Like, it's very exciting times. And he came out to where is my mind and not his theme. So, like, my so brain cool. isn't working. <laughs> like, he's just standing. He's like, yeah, this guy's got his hand in his pocket. I'm here to fight. He's I like the it. uncle. He's always your, mu- <laughs> your murder uncle. Him is just, just give me a chill. Oh. Ishii's like, oh, you want to fight? Let me. I'm gonna shut up. I'm gonna let you guys because now I'm getting sucked into the Ishii ness. <laughs> Franco, man, this is the example of you know maybe not dollars and cents, but the art form is different over at AEW. It's professional wrestling, and Brian Danielson and Miro put on a professional wrestling match. Yeah, it was unbelievable. This was probably, you know, I mean Kingston and Punk was so good for completely different reasons in this but it, but it, yeah. yeah as a wrestling match this was probably my favorite one on the card just because of of you know the backstories and everything and 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 for yeah WWE just being careless uh you know I, I'll say this with with Brian Danielson who once again our good old JR kept calling Daniel Bryan um <laughs> the thing about you know letting him go or they weren't even letting him go i don't know if there was a dollar amount wwe could have given that would have you know made him stay just in terms of that itch that he really wanted to scratch uh with you know the professional wrestling aspect of the business you know miro slash rusev slash vladimir rusev slash you know whatever you want to call him he was a character that they just like you said earlier palm just completely like ran into the ground it's like you look at what AEW's finally done with him. It's like, dude, you you just look at the specimen that is Miro, and it's like that guy. It, it's 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 one of those things where it's it's hard to believe he didn't do better in WWE because he's one of those prototype Vince McMahon bodies. I mean, but the athletic package that he is, because it's just like the explosion and the things that he can do for a man his size. I mean. It blows my mind that 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 you know the the folks up in Stamford, Connecticut couldn't figure out what to do with him properly because he is an unreal talent. Uh, the the gimmick finally fits him so well because yeah, like you guys said, it's it's terrifying when he's like doing these prayers and like talking about what he's gonna do to people. So 
I, I loved every bit of this match, except the finish was a little bit awkward, I think. You know, the whole knocked out into the submission hole. It didn't look super great on TV, but that would really be my only criticism of this match because, you know, it was incredible. And I do like the one holdover from the best man gimmick, which we can all agree was very stupid, is that he does like the whole like a uh, game over thing before the uh, before the camel clutch. Uh, that is a uh, I think that's a nice little touch. Uh, next match of the card is my first miss of the card. Jurassic Express, Christian Cage, who's having a phenomenal 2021. I want to say that. Christian Cage, congratulations on a great return to form. Defeated the Super Click in 22-35. False count anywhere. I have nothing really nice to say about this match. I'm not going to say anything. I will say this. These matches are not necessarily my cup of tea, um, just by design. I love every bit of talent that's involved in this match. And I just thought it was disjointed and kind of sprawled where it didn't have to. I thought it was 22 minutes. That could have been... Some time could have been given to some other matches, um, but yeah, that's just it. Just didn't click for me. Sam, was this a, was a hit or a miss for you? It was a miss, and I think this is one of those kind of fluidity production value things I was talking about with WWE versus AEW. AEW at times seems way too concerned with like making a bit or like the big spot, like really hit at the expense of you know like timing or like you know something will take too long, and then this happened a few times during this pay-per-view and I'll say it with, with this one, it was really the whole like jungle boy. Will he, won't he do the concerto thing? It's like, okay, we get it. Like they, they zoomed in on his face multiple times and they're like, Oh, he's having a lot of trouble with this, like trying to figure out if he can get to that level or whatever. And it's like, dude, they, they were trying to tell some story and it just came off as, as forced to me in like a bad way. Um, there were some good spots in the match. There's no question about it. You know, I think, uh, you know, Luchasaurus continues to not be as rough in the ring as maybe he was like when uh, AEW first started getting like TV time and stuff. And you really started to kind of see him work pretty stiff. But I thought in this match, he, he was pretty good in that regard. And, and you know, Christian, for, for having probably my favorite moment of 2021 in wrestling, his return to the, to the Royal Rumble, um, I thought he was great in this match, but again, another one of those things where it's like they're trying to get the big spot over as opposed to just, um, you know, letting the match be fluid was Christian's dive off of like the, the stanchion or the, the upper deck or whatever, where he like dived onto the crowd of people below. It's like, he was on one like level of the stairs and then like the crowd pops. So we went up to the next level. But when he was on that lower level of stairs, all three like people, I think it might've been like Brandon Cutler and the young bucks. I can't remember exactly. They were all already standing up. So like you had to like wait for Christian to go up the stairs and you see these guys at the base of it, just standing there waiting for him to jump on them. So just little things like that. And you don't expect that necessarily from Christian, but I think it's just like little choppy things like that, that I noticed throughout AEW shows that you don't really get as much or really at all in WWE. So just little things they need to work on. But yeah, that one kind of just stuck out. watching different WWE shows all that uh, telegraph catching that they do. But I, I see what well, I definitely what I'm... Say. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> see what you're saying. Rich, what did you think of this one? I know that this is like, this is talent that we like. And I think to Sam's, to Sam's point, like it kind of sprawled. It kind of went all over the place. It felt like it was, I actually liked the Jungle Boy story because I felt like at least you need one through line when there's kind of a mishmash of, this style of match. But again, this isn't really my cup of tea type of match anyway. Rich, what did you think? 
Yeah, I felt like at the end, it was like you were in a gang and you just had to jump Jungle Boy in. It's like, you got to catch your body here, buddy. Like, <laughs> and that's basically how they treated him. It was like, hey, man, handed him the gun. It's like, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, and then on the other side of it, there's no reason Christian Cage should be the guy jumping off of balconies in 2021. <laughs> like, he's moving. He has evolved past that. Like, let the youngins do that. Like, if you think back to when Seth Rollins was doing it in The Shield, they were just starting. He had been in the wrestling business for a few years, but in the company, you know, that was kind of like, let me be the crazy guy. And you don't need to be the crazy guy when you're a legend, basically, and you're living through that. Uh, I, I, I agree with Palm on this. When I first saw it, I was tired, so I was very grumpy about it. But then after I saw it with the lighter, a little bit of rest, I got why people liked it. It it might not have been for me, but you know I go by the uh, the rule. If the crowd liked it, I got to give it the respect it deserves. It might not, you know, again, it might not be my cup of tea, but it's someone's it's someone else's cup. So as long as they're making money off that, I don't care. Uh, I thought it could have been, especially with twenty two minutes. If you're gonna do something yeah. crazy like this, twelve, fifteen. Yeah, just you don't need us, get out. Yeah, give me a sprint and get out. But you're right. I think that you know, again, this is again. Three years in, like for everything that we're saying, this is a third-year company. It's still very impressive. Next up, Cody, Nyquil Rhodes, and Pac <laughs> taking on Malachi Black and Andre Idolo. They kind of threw together this match over like vignettes and like run-ins over the last few weeks. And for them to just evolve into the I can't trust you like during the match felt weird to me. Cody exists in a Cody verse. It's not really an AEW match, it's just this Cody verse where he can't go for a title, so he's going to make his own stories. Whatever. It was a fine match. 16, 17 minutes. Cody and Pac went over. Uh, Rich, big fan of this one. Also, interesting to go back-to-back with the triple threat or the six-man tag and then this tag. I think that's an interesting booking decision. Yeah, I, and I think they thought that this would be a good opportunity for Cody to get a little love. He did not. Uh, <laughs> heck, heck, I mean, Arn Anderson – got more doing his armed Anderson shtick with Jose the assistant than Cody did for the duration of the match. It really was three guys, actually four guys getting cheered, including Arn and Jose and Cody getting the heat. So that was a lot. That That's a lot to take in. A lot. It's a lot um, to take in. And so I, I liked it. I liked the match for that insanity. But other than that, I think it's time for Cody, much like him dropping the Twitter uh, to just drop the, 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 the preconceived notion he can remain a face just because he wants to. Uh, I hope he turns into full bull da- full NXT Bo Dallas. I hope yeah. that's where we get to where like the fans break him and he loses it and becomes like well, that kind of guy. He's a comic book fan and a Star Wars fan and all these other things. So if you dress up like the Homelander and you're not doing it ironically, I need to get out. Like that's my. <laughs> like, that's, yeah, but that's it, the thing is, he knows. Like people, are like I'm not turning heel. He knows what he's doing. He's not stupid. Like I watch the way he works too. He works heel. So like I think it's very funny that he's able to kind of play this tweener thing. I just don't know what the what the what's the eventual what's where's the money? What's the payoff here? Because it's been happening for a while. Sam, what'd you think of this uh this tag team match? Well, first of all, Cody Rhodes, you talk about like NyQuil. It's like, dude, I think he had too much NyQuil when he got that tattoo because I just can't take the guy seriously with that just monstrosity on his neck. Like of all the places to get that, like it just it makes it hard to watch these matches just because it's I'm so distracting. To, to the top companion piece on the other side of his neck soon. 
but you look at like how this match went and I agree. It was just like kind of sloppily thrown together. And then the, it just kind of ended that. So I, I think a match like this with, with not a whole lot of story behind it. I mean, there is some story with like, you know, uh, you have Cody and, and Malachi black, and then maybe a little bit of something between pack and Andrade, but it was just weird how they just kind of threw it all together. And then very weird how it just kind of abruptly ended. And I think at this rate with, with like Cody Rhodes, it's, the best characters I've seen him work were like, you know, disgraced Cody Rhodes when he beat, uh, he beat Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania in Atlanta. Um, you know, just, just, it's almost like when he's working heel, he gets over better. So I think eventually, like you guys are saying, like, you know, he, it, it's just a move that they're going to have to make unless he, he just doesn't wrestle anymore because it's just not working right now for for what i guess he wants it to be I think, and i think, I think he could I be think, a very very good heel i really do. i think he is working heel he's just saying the other stuff to make it more heelish like i think that we're in That's the right. cody Rhodes heel era like as as rich said he's dressed as fucking homelander like this is ridiculous <laughs> he's a heel you're a heel uh next match up 15 minutes given to Britt baker and ty conti rich i want to say this out loud more than danielson more than Miro, more than anyone, more than Punk. Conti is my biggest proof that someone's lost the plot over there. Because she got to WWE and didn't know a lick of English and didn't know how to be a pro wrestler. They didn't give her TV time. She wrestled, I think, five televised matches in two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be a top 10 women's wrestler in this world in the next two years. She has gotten so good, so damn fast. It's a little terrifying. Yeah. And and that's where I have to kind of sheepishly tip the cap to QT Marshall, son of a mom. <laughs> I didn't say he couldn't train him. I just said he couldn't, you know, wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> those who can't teach. Those who can't teach. Those who can do, those who can't teach. Those who can't teach, teach Jim. QT. Um, oh, Wait, are you saying that Big Show, or excuse me, Paul White and QT Marshall shouldn't be on pay-per-views facing each other in a match in 2021? Is that what Well, you're hold on. I was able to use the bathroom during that match. So let's no. just say everything, everything has its purpose, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, Rich, man, this is like, she has gotten great. And yeah. I could just talk for days about how good Drew Baker is. She's the heel. She's that that's how you heal, guys. Chris Baker, take notes. Um, but Conti, like, I'm gonna keep right ra- like showering her with praises because I didn't think it was there. I honestly, in the limited time and I'd seen her in NXT when she got cut, I was like, maybe this isn't for her. Like her steps were off, like she wasn't hitting ropes ropes properly. Now I'm watching her hit like double jump springboards. I'm like, what's happening here? What is what is okay, so and this one I don't blame it though as much because I guess we were all wrong because wow. Yeah, I would. The only person I would mention that would be just a big a gaff on their end would be uh, them completely not seeing anything with what I think is the future AEW TBS champion uh, because they they missed the boat there. She didn't even make it to training. Like they signed her. They're like, oh, you look okay, Jade Cargill. You're, you're kind of you're you look like you could be so ah, go, goodbye we're done here that's the one that, that, no one can ever explain that to me no one will ever say enough to me to make that make sense to me 
I got nothing. I got it. At least with Ty Naro. Who's in charge of what? What are we doing? Yeah. It, it, at least with Ty Conti, the issue they could have sold that is okay. There's these other people because they had so many people ahead of her who were, you know, indie darlings and they naturally were talented. But again, going back to, I, I said this at the torch at the time when uh, Nick Khan kind of took things over. If your JV team isn't running the varsity offense, you you're not really developing anybody. Hmm. But what do you think about that too? Like I get why they change focus. I get why they're doing what they're doing. I don't have to like it, but I understand it. Yeah, because it looks like what they're going to do on Raw, which means no one wants to see an hour, a two-hour version of Junior Raw. And so, that, you know, hey, I want to be in a poker tournament. Great. Okay. Um, but yeah, Sam, I think. What do you think of uh, Doctor Burbank? Yeah, no, the match was phenomenal. Uh, you know, it, it just shows you that, the, I guess, the, the course of women's wrestling in particular has just gone, you know, so drastically in the right direction uh, with, with a lot of what's happened, especially when you're, you know, AEW, I think, does one thing really well with, with their women's division it seamlessly mixes in so nicely with just normal, you know, men's or whoever matches like they don't, they don't, you know, miss a beat. It's like the show just boom. It's like, keeps going. It feels like a lot of the times with WWE, they make such a big deal out of the fact that it's, you know, women's matches that it feels almost like, you know, too much of a show. And and that obviously it is a show, but you know what I mean? Like they're, they're like playing it up. Whereas in W or in AEW, they just kind of let it happen and let the work speak for itself. And these two were really, really good. And Britt Baker is just at an all-time high level in terms of women's wrestling. And and when you just look at the package of you know the champion, the character, the way that she gets reactions from crowds. I mean, she is she's just working at at a level that you know we've only seen from from a few of the top like women's wrestlers of all time. I mean, she's in that. Charlotte, you know, Becky Lynch, uh, Sasha Banks, like tier right now in terms of just the way that she is not carrying the division, but, but, but leading the division. Well, well, there's something to be said that because the fact that this is the only women's match of the card bugs me. Um, and it, yep. it does go back to kind of the things you could say about the women's division in AEW. It's very top heavy. And we're going to see how true. well it can sustain itself with the second belt coming. So I'm interested to see how that unfolds. Next match, for a lot of people, I think it was match of the night, probably the best told story, well, second best told story coming in. Um, CM Punk went over Eddie Kingston in 11 minutes. That does not include the spinning back fist that Eddie Kingston caught CM Punk with while they were doing introductions because Eddie Kingston is a dirtbag. Um, I loved it. I loved Punk in the trunks. I loved, uh, I loved Punk going over. I loved the whole match. Eddie Kingston... We talked about the booking of the Christian Cage Jurassic Express win over to Superclick. He gave us 22 minutes of a match that should have been faster. 11 minutes may have seemed short on paper. This match was the exact perfect length. I think 11:01 could have ruined it, honestly. Sam, do you? Am I wrong? Am I way off here? Could you have done for 20 more minutes of Punk and Kingston? I mean, I probably could have, but I agree with you in a <laughs> sense that like it was perfect the way it was. Like it didn't need anything else. And, and this is what I was talking about earlier too, man. Just the the reaction that Eddie Kingston gets from a crowd. It's like 
he's doing things like the spinning back fist and stuff that, and there was a really perfectly executed eye gouge uh, at one point from him in this match that was like mm-hmm. just Ric Flair level perfection and how smooth he just hit Punk with it. Like just, he does these little things that make a great professional wrestler so well. And that spinning back fist, and not just the spinning back fist, but his reaction to knocking Punk out like that, like like he had just like, you know, like the kid who got the N64 on Christmas. Like that's how happy he was when, <laughs> you know, he he like saw what he had just done. So like the the the, the level of just like, you know, shit eating grin level of enjoying what you just did to someone, like you said, a dirtbag move. But I also really love what they've done with Punk in terms of like, yeah, the, the trunks were great. Like he's worked all he's worked in pants. He's worked in, you know, the the briefs. He's worked in trucks. It's like great to see all that stuff. Just just little kind of cool things that they're doing. But yeah, I mean, this match was was really, really great. And the way it kind of ended, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like like we've seen the last of these two. Like it, the way that like maybe maybe we have, but you know, Eddie Kingston kind of just ducking out, not shaking anyone's hand. It feels like they're they're leading up to something else. I hope we're leading to that punk heel turn I've been waiting for. Looks like he's finally tired of being the the happy punk. Rich, uh, what did you take away from one of the better stories told, not including using that Players Tribune article from Eddie Kingston? Well, I, I love this match, as I said earlier, and I actually loved it so much that uh, when I was writing my column for this month for the Torch, it was about Hangman Page and his vulnerability as a face, but I wanted to cite the fact that as an older brother, I appreciate what Punk did at the end of that match. Like any, like few people can, because that was not a ring of honor handshake. That's the, I beat you and I'm putting you in the position where you look like the bad guy for not being a conciliatory loser, even though I wouldn't have done the same thing if I had lost. Like that's, that's basically what happened there. For those of you who aren't the old, who aren't an old or haven't been a younger sibling to know that was what was going on. Like, hey man, you really got me that time, buddy. Like when you see the end of a Power Rangers show and Tommy's kicked some dude in the chest and then Jason's got to get up and shake his hand and nah, 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 nah. If, if that was reversed, Punk would have spat in his face and, and called it a day. But I, I appreciate that because like you said, it's the subtle healery. It's the... I'm not happy punk. And he even said in his post-match promo, they uh, aired, I think online. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm becoming the guy I used to be. Almost the John Wickish, like, yeah, I think I'm back. And once he gets back, it isn't going to be I'm happy and I'm the voice of voiceless. It's just like Danielson. I am just a, a guy who loves wrestling who happens to just be a jerk. 100%. And I couldn't be happier to have him back. I really couldn't. Next up. My least favorite match of the night. 19 minutes, by God. The inner circle went over. The men of the year in American Top Team, hopefully ending this Top Team thing. Um, they did the job. They did the job was get heat and then get the inner circle even more over. And it worked. Um, I didn't like it. Not for me. It's weird you have two street fight-ish matches on the card, both with multiple tags. Um yeah, this was a big miss for me. Sam, am I way off? No, I hated this match. Uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> terrible. I mean, there, there was nothing redeeming about it. I feel like right now, like a match like this just buries Santana and Ortiz. And those guys are really, really good, man. And like they've been wasted in these matches, like the the one that they did um, all over, you know, the Jaguar Stadium. 
uh, I guess I've done that twice now, but like, it just feels like, you know, those guys for me deserve a little bit better and kind of more just like eyes on them, normal, like tag team matches. But I just, this should have been way earlier too, because like you said, I mean, it took way too much time. Uh, oh, oh no, no. Once again, I had time to go get another bathroom. beer. Bathroom, bathroom beer. I was actually no, driving back from something during this match. And I got home in time for hangman. Uh, Kenny, because this match went so long. So while I am decrying it, it served a purpose. Well, I will say one thing too that like bothered me about this match, and it just felt so disingenuous. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but when Jericho sets up at the end for the Eddie Guerrero tribute, the Frog Splash, he like you know they have the camera on him, and he does the you know I love you Eddie or whatever, I love you buddy. I I, I couldn't read his lips very well, but then you can clearly see him look down, like look to see if there was a camera on him think maybe they didn't get that i should do it again and he did it again it just <laughs> this is one of those like that's like called production being a professional values. sam that's called being no. a professional it's, it's called getting coverage. it twice on nah, camera so you nah, make sure no. that you got I, the crappy little like tribute I, in like it just I felt so not defend chris jericho for most things however making sure we got coverage making sure you got two angles that's a motherfucking professional right yeah, there, but the baby. problem is when it gets caught on camera and you see it he did it twice it's like well, yeah, you, that, you, no one, no. You're, I guarantee it's the first time someone's been shown the internet. I, I don't think that's the case. But if it is, <laughs> well, I caught it and it pissed me off. Okay. Sam's looking to be angry. I'm looking for y'all to stretch this out so I can get home in time for the main event. Rich, tell me that Sam and I are wrong. That the American Top Team Partnership was not only worth it, but it was worth this match. It was worth Chris Jericho holding a lion's off so Junior Dos Santos can get in position for the spot. Oh. <laughs> I mean, okay, I wish you had your bill because I asked uh, Michael Bisping about that spot when I interviewed him oh. for uh, uh, the Never Back Down 4 he stars in that just came out yesterday. And he he was very professional about it. He just said, hey, I'm excited about wrestling. And I'm sure Junior was really excited in that match and in that spot. So I I think at the end of the day, I- go ahead, go ahead, Palm. I was going to say, I commend the guys. Look, I watch you to Santos go through a table. I watched him hustle people up to be in position for the next spot. He was at the very, like, yes, he missed that one spot a little late there, but he did a good job for everything he asked him to do. I just didn't think it belonged in the penultimate match of this card. Oh, no, but I think it was the penultimate match of the card because of what little they brought to the table. I mean, I think Tony's yeah. not a stupid man. It really was a come down match. It was like, get your beer. And it's not, and typically, especially with WWE and some of these other promotions over the years, this would have been the women's championship match where you can get the bonus points of saying, see, the women's match went right before the men's championship match. <laughs> but they they were smart enough not to do that because this, yeah, like you said, the only thing I took away from this, my buddy Emily Fear, who lives here in Pittsburgh as well, uh, mentioned that it did set the standard for all future insert city or state name here street fights because they use no less than three items from the area. And yeah, that has to not be I didn't the know the butt cake matches. was from Minnesota. I learned something. The toaster. During, I learned things. You know what? I take it back. I learned things during this match. That's edutainment is what that is. Thank you, AEW. Um, but you're right. I think that this was, it was fine for what it was. It was go get a beer. It was, hey, relax. It was not supposed to be a big spectacle, but yeah. Uh, anyone who has a problem with that match, I understand that too. So I'm playing both sides of the fence. After that match, but before the main event, 
to very weirdly like enough fanfare, they brought out Jay Lethal. And if those who don't know, Jay Lethal um was Ring of Honor champion, he's been all over the world, but wrestled primarily Ring of Honor. And with the folding of Ring of Honor mentioned by uh Rich earlier, it was like he signed with all elite wrestling. And they're gonna be he's gonna be main inventing the dynamite that's occurring right now versus Sammy Guevara for the TNT title. And we're gonna see how this goes. <laughs> um, from the black talent that I wanted them to hot shot to the main event, he wasn't the name I had in mind. The man I was thinking of is, well, limitless, truly. But we'll get there when we get there. Oh. Let's go now to the main event. Hangman Page in a 25-minute war defeated Kenny Omega. And I'm going to just kind of vamp for a second here, guys, so bear with me. I love stories. It's the reason I've read comics my entire life. It's the reason I can't put down a good book once I pick it up. It's the reason why I talk about all the things I talk about on this network. It's the reason why I, I do my job, honestly. Because the story of someone getting someone into a home is very important to me. The care with which they've told this hangman story. From losing that title, that the, the, the AEW title in the first night to the culmination on Sunday. I can do nothing but tip my cap. Hearing Adam Page talk about how this was super trying because it, it involved a lot of his real insecurity and his real fears. Because if, if your buddies are telling you, hey, man, we start this company, and in three years you're going to be the man. But in, those, in that intervening time, even though you know that you're being told there's a plan for you, you're watching what's happening. And you can say, oh, it's just a gimmick. You knew the story. Cool. Plans change. It's written in pencil, not pen. And so the fear, the doubt, the uncertainty that plagued the character, plaguing the man as well, culminating in that match, when we'll talk about kind of the match itself in a second, I just want to say bravo to Tony Khan, to Adam Page, to Kenny Omega, to everyone involved in this story. Because this is the best version of what AEW can be. When you trust the talent to know their characters and tell their stories and give them the runway to do it. Uh, Sam, Hangman, AEW champion, fourth champion in AEW history. How did it land for you? Oh, great. I mean, you know, like you were saying, they, they told a long-term story and at no point during that did, you know, it feel like, you know, that they weren't telling a good story. I feel like everything they've done with Hangman is, is, has been, you know, very good. Obviously, <clears throat> I wouldn't say everything. I'm sure there, there's some ups and downs. You know, people will talk about the sort of uh, maybe semi-alcoholic, like, storyline they were going with there for a little while. And then those kind of things, you know, can always be hit or miss uh, in professional wrestling. Unfortunately, it's mostly miss when you look at what the WWE has done over the years. But I think that this story just got a lot of people really invested. I will say that, again, this is one of those times, and this is a little nitpicky, but it's one of those times where the execution maybe wasn't as fluid as it should have been. And I'm talking about at the end of the match, the whole like young bucks coming down and not interfering, but standing there. That was like a moment where Hangman was, was staring at, I think it was Matt Jackson. I can't remember exactly. Um, 
he was staring at him and like Kenny Omega's getting up to, you know, be on the receiving end of the buckshot lariat. That's going to win Adam page, the title. And it just felt like they hung there for too long. Cause Kenny's just standing there in the middle of the ring. Like, all right, you can hit me with it now. So like that bothered me a little bit, but that was just kind of an overall theme that I've expressed I multiple times now on this podcast. But other than that, that, that's the only nitpicking I can really find from this match. Maybe just the sometimes like making sure you tell the story gets a little bit in the way of like a fluid execution. But other but than that, I mean, I thought this match was great. That's uh, for wrestling. The spots, for wrestling's a story. Um, that they did, you know, nail really nicely were good, especially I loved it when Hangman hit the one winged angel. Um, you know, I loved the the Don Callis uh, kind of run in there. Just, just they, they, they did a really good job. And if Kenny is taking some time off, I, I will be the first to admit that I'm not like the the biggest, I, I wouldn't say I'm not the biggest Kenny Omega fan, but I'm not one of these people that understands why like everybody's like, this is the best wrestler in the world. But for his, you know, what he did here and what he did for Adam Page, you know, all the hats off to him. It was a really good job, really well told story. And if he was hurt, like working through all this, for him to be selfless enough to want to finish this out, despite being hurt, you know, all you can do is, is give the guy a ton of credit. Right on. Rich, what did you think of the match? I, I thought it was great. Uh, to Sam's point, yeah. Uh, I, this time a year and a half ago, Omega tore his labrum in his shoulder and didn't want to take time off and hasn't. And since uh, I want to say probably G1 2018, he has had vertigo in the ring, yeah. which is the most terrifying thing. As someone who only temporarily during lockdown suffered vertigo when I was doing uh, I was doing burpees, and that was the scariest thing in my life. I could only imagine doing you can't escape with vertigo. Like I he even made, like it's a new skill with a spinning ring, getting nailing my moves. I mean, and, you know, that's Simone Biles, too, man. I mean, that kind of pressure and, and for an athlete to perform and, and with that going on is just incredible. Yeah, it's nuts. It is nuts. And so I, I love the match. I thought the finish, again, like Sam said, it was a little too much. I'm sorry, I love you, which is probably one of those things historically we'll see being repeated ad nauseum uh, with the Bucks. But I did appreciate the fact that they came out to second him because that yeah. was something that they didn't do for the Jericho match. They were actually refused to do it. So in a, in a way, even though he did say, if you try to cheat me in this match, I'll ruin you. It was still him kind of leaning into, you know, I, I made allusions in my article, which for those of you going to read in pwtorch.com slash VIP, uh, he's will hunting and good will hunting. Everyone was waiting. Everyone throughout his three years in AEW was waiting for him to finally not be there when they checked the door. And it finally happened in that match. He didn't have any doubts. I mean, he's the only person who creates a quiz question that no one's going to be able to answer a couple of years from now. It's like, who's, who's the only person, you know, who kicked out of the one-winged angel? Kenny Omega. What? <laughs> it, it, it was wild. I love the match. I thought the, like Sam said, it was a little overdone with the finish, but I liked the both buckshot lariats. Because, it, again, it's a very Japanese finish. You hit your finisher twice. You put the guy down extra. And then Omega gets out at 3.1. So that way he shows, like, the, the fear was there and he didn't he just didn't have enough in him. 
And I, I just want to see where they go from here because Omega needs time off. He is a broken man. And, you know, other than that, you know, you guys nailed it. I thought it was just right amount of time. I was worried Kenny was uh, uh, going to go with the New Japan 38-minute special. But since it was 11.25 when they started the match, I was like, they, they're not going to. It's they, They're not going to get their cable carriers, like, pissed off. Let's just be safe. Cable carriers? They're they streaming. Well, they still have some cable. They still have some folks that do cable in some markets for them. Because as they've learned the hard way, you can't trust Bleacher Report to sell your um, your, your your product. Because when you do re- – like, for instance, when you do replay, the replay is still live. So you can't rewind, fast forward, et cetera. And that's complete like, report. That is not yeah, that's yeah, terrible. You yeah, you can. You can act you can you can do it like up uh what is it, like forty eight hours after, but the first replay, they oh, did it live well, and it, I understand that. That that's that is so that people aren't I, I get that one. Actually that makes sense for me to lock it for forty eight hours so you can't fast forward through yeah. it. I do understand that. And I, I think the thing is, it works for them, but it didn't work for AEW because what they did was when so many people complained, they were able to get permission carriage wise to let Fight TV uh, folks in the United States buy it on Fight TV as a replay if they wanted to watch it in the interim because so many people wanted to watch it like six or seven hours and they didn't have access at all because that's the other issue. You get the access to the pay-per-view 24 hours after it happens and you don't get a replay. And then 48 hours, you can replay with the rewind, et cetera. So it, it's a lot of steps that are going to make things a little difficult for people. But I, I think, like you I said, think it makes sense business-wise. is the fastest way to put yourself out of business. Um, <laughs> they're always going to complain about something because that's what we do as wrestling fans. So I do want to ask you guys kind of as we sit while AEW is currently playing, Dynamite is at least, what's next? Because we, we discussed and we, I think it's understood, Kenny Omega is going away for a while. I do think this is why they booked that Brian match as soon as they did. They're like, hey, he's here. You're here. Let's get this thing all underway. Let's give the people what they want to see. Um, what is the one thing you want to see next out of AEW, Sam, to kind of not just solidify? Obviously, I think we're all in, firmly in their corner and cheering for places for people to make money and apply their craft. I saw a quote from Meltzer this week saying a Hall of Fame owner said he'd never seen so much good wrestling on across the globe and never seen so many of the boys and girls happy about what they're doing. So I think if that's the legacy of AEW right there, full stop, I'm super happy with it. But Sam, is there anything in particular you're looking forward to in the next six months for AEW? Goldberg. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, I just it. wanted to see you. I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> in all seriousness, um, you know, just, just continued growth. It's like I was talking about, you know, the, I think a lot of their performers, you know, aren't, super used to being on like a weekly television show for long periods of time. And it's not just weekly. Now they have two shows. So, um, and that doesn't even count, you know, the, the stuff on YouTube, but I think just that continued growth, I think kind of maybe figuring out a little bit better sort of this balance. Cause like right now, I think Cody Rhodes is, is a big, like kind of question mark as in terms of like what you can do with him, because I just, <sighs> I just feel like they hamstrung themselves so much. I don't want Cody to be challenging for the title, but it's just so hard to take a character like that seriously when you know they can't. So there's just some little things that I would like to see them tighten up a little bit. And then in terms of like signings or whatever, or like maybe new people coming in, WWE keeps releasing people and AEW is, is running out of room 
I mean, there's a lot of like, you know, people are always like, oh, this guy's gone. Well, he'll be in AEW. And they've, they've signed a lot of the people that you, you know, think they would sign. You know, your, your, your Tommy Ends, Malachi Black, your, uh, you know, Andrade's, guys like that, young upstart guys. But you also do need to, to look at those four pillars that you talk about and make sure that, you know, you're building for the future with them while also integrating a lot of this new talent that you're signing. And, you know, I, I don't want them to obviously water down the product. I think, you know, the the things like, you know, Paul White, QT Marshalls, like things like that of the world, Dust, even Dustin Rhodes, Dustin Runnels, whatever you're going to call them. Um, you know, that that's going to be started to phase out here. I think they needed that kind of thing, those kind of pops, those kind of names earlier on just for like that name recognition. But as they're starting to, you know, really find their place in the professional wrestling landscape and, and being one of the top two companies in the world, you know, you, you probably don't need that stuff as much. So a uh, roundabout way of saying just uh, just keep getting better. The vaunted name recognition of QT Marshall. Rich, next six months, what are you looking forward to out of our good friends down in Jacksonville? Well, I'm looking forward to Urban Meyer showing up and uh, doing a – you know, I know, I'm not sure. Urban's not going to be there in six months. Um, I am looking forward to <laughs> – I'm looking forward to seeing Grumpy Punk, Grumpy Danielson murdering people. I'm looking forward to at some point whenever Keith Lee shows up. And I am definitely looking forward to uh, the continued ascent of my guy Lee Moriarty and Dante Martin and Leo Rush. Because uh, Rush in particular, it was clear uh, one of the main reasons he unretired is that uh, New Japan and Tony Khan were very dogged in proving to him that they weren't like the other places he had worked in the past. And he, he listened clearly because he came back to wrestle for him. So uh, I, yeah, I really want to see more Leo rush. Cause I think everyone saw him as Bobby Lashley's sidekick and not too many people got oh. to see him as the awesome wrestle wrestler that Cam and I did when he did like the, uh, they, they did an NXT versus the world during the uh, new Orleans uh, mania yeah. weekend that access. And he was just magnificent. And his wife and son were in the front row. And it was like, it was very clear. It's like when you're at a football game, Palm, and you know it's the family of a certain player. It's like, what tipped you off? Was it the number? Was it the signs? Was it the giant pictures of them as a baby and buttons on their shoulders? Like, what tipped you off? I remember that event because I remember being very impressed with Luke Harper on that card. He had an absolute banger of a match with Jajakovic. And, yeah, that was... Man, that was something to behold. Uh, I want to thank you guys for coming on. The thing I'm looking forward to most, beyond signings, beyond uh, even like kind of weeding out some of the lesser stories. Sorry, Gun Club. Um, oh man, hater. What? what? Oh, I'm sorry. We're undefeated. Uh, don't get me started. Um, oh, no, I'm you, excited. Real quick, time out, time out, time out. I, I don't have to say. I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not sidetracking this podcast for the Gun Club. I refuse. Well, I just want to know um, what they did with that story. Like they 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 bashed people it, with chairs and then they, they had a realized gun it, they realized it didn't matter, so they dropped it. Same thing they did with Nightmare Collective. Um, that's the other thing. Keep cutting things that don't get over. Like I love the fact that they will actively trim the fat during a during a, a, a story. If they think the stories are ending, they'll dump it. I love their ability to do that. I like the fact that since Tony's been writing the shows himself, it's felt like a more cohesive show happened in the middle of the pandemic. And I just think that. You know, focus on doing the things that they're doing. If they bring in people, continue to find places for them because not everyone's going to be running top of card. 
You can have Bobby Fish pop up for his story, fade to the back because you've established those characters and they're now interchangeable. And you can use them to have Hangman Page lose one match so far in 2021, one singles match. Like there are ways, and there's what I think we're seeing is that there's a different way to build a wrestling company than WWE. And I'm really happy to see it. It reminds you of the best days of uh, WCW, except Tony Khan has not yet challenged Physic Man to a, a kickboxing contest. Not yet, at least. Sam, we say goodbye to the people and tell them where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at Sam J. Franco on Twitter. Uh, if you're so inclined, uh, at MOTS Podcast for uh, some uh, good Atlanta United slash uh, MLS playoffs uh, coverage as uh, that starts to crank up here. There you go, man. Thanks for coming on. Rich, where can all the good listeners of the MCR Network and UD Pod find all things Rich Fan? Sure. First, by going on Twitter at Rich underscore fan, F-A-N-N. That's usually where I try to throw most of my stuff out there for the people. Second, uh, if you go to PW Torch, I have uh, several shows on there. First being the deep dive with Rich Fan. Palm's been on there several times. Sam will be on there at some point. We will find him. We will bring him on every outhouse, penthouse, townhouse. Uh, and so that's an hour-long show every Saturday. I also do on the VIP side of things uh, two shows, the uh, Everything with Rich with Wade Keller. Uh, where the editor-publisher of The Torch joins me and goes over wrestling subjects every week, which is kind of weirds me out a little bit because it's like I've read this dude for years and years, and now he's just asking me questions, and it's it's wild. Uh, and then, of course, where I got started on The Torch, the East Coast Cast VIP with Travis Bryant, Kemp Hawkins, answer emails, uh, talk about politics, life, wrestling. Uh, next week, we're going to start talking about Hawkeye, so that's going to be pretty cool. Um, so yeah, check those out. If you want to find me as far as listening, if you search PW torch, you're probably going to hear me at some point on the series, uh, on anywhere where you can get a podcast. Thanks Palm as always for your time, man. And I love being on. Rich just reminded me all the MTR stuff that's coming out recent or soon. We're going to be back off of premium back on the free feed for our Hawkeye reviews. That's right. Me, Ro and Chris will be here. Uh, we're doing the first episodes, I believe right at Thanksgiving when they drop. We're also back with Super Tuesday. We've merged the Super Tuesday podcast. So every week we're going to have timestamps information where you can find both the Flash Legends of Tomorrow and that week's news, which means this week we'll be talking about the Far From Home trailer. That's right. I'm combining my nerdery and promoing it here like I always should have been, but never did because I'm stupid. <laughs> but right now I'm going to share with my two friends, Rich and Sam, my uh, no Way Home Theory that I think is getting writer by the second. Make sure you tune in to Super Tuesday Recap so you can catch your version of this theory. That was your show. There is no outro. See you guys next week.